How are you, Dick? Doing well, boys. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. Let's start with some NBA and the Lakers. Well, all of a sudden, it seemed to be going well post the big <laughs> trades. I think they were 4-1, and one, weren't they? And now it looks like they've lost the one player they can't afford to lose. LeBron James, a foot injury. Uh, sources saying what he's out for multiple weeks. Surely then they're cooked now, aren't they? You would think so. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be enough time. It's, it just all depends on how well this team, this newly formed team, can kind of gel together. Um, you know, there's such a huge, uh, there's such a huge swath of teams between 30 and 32 losses. I'm, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are nine teams that have 30, 31, or 32 losses right now. This is as tightly a packed Western Conference as I've ever seen. And the Lakers are at that 32 loss mark. And so they don't have any wiggle room. If they were, you know, if they were where the Clippers are right now with 30 losses, the Mavericks with 30 losses, they've had a, they would have a little bit of wiggle room. But, you know, if they can go 500 during the time that LeBron's gone, let's say, let's say it is, they said they're going to reevaluate in two weeks. Well, they have one, two, three, four, five, six games between now and March 10th. Let's just say the very earliest he would come back would be Tuesday, March 14th. They would miss seven games, and they would still have a good 12 or so, 12 to 14 games left. So if they were able to go 500, four and three, even three and four without LeBron James, and if he comes back and he is true LeBron James from his injury, then you know I would give them an outside shot at squeaking in to one of those play-in game spots, which at this point is really their only hope. Dick, Damian Lillard scored 71 points, Laurie's favorite player. What did you make of that <laughs> performance? You know, Damian Lillard is, is one of a kind, guys. Um, he sits up here in the Pacific Northwest a couple hours south of me in Portland, and nobody really pays attention to the basketball team because they, they rarely do much. And he has gone on record and saying, you know, the grass isn't always greener, kind of calling out those players that continue to jump from team to team to team to try to win a championship. He's obviously very happy in Portland. And he is going to be known as one of the great, greatest shooters of all time. Now, playing in the same era as Steph Curry, um, he will never be known as the greatest shooter of all time. But... He has he's certainly cemented himself as the greatest shooter in today's, his second greatest shooter behind Steph in today's game, mm-hmm. and is climbing the list of all-time great shooters. I mean, he has now put himself, in my opinion, definitely in the top five in, in all-time greatest shooters. And, uh, you know, we had a conversation a few years ago about where Steph was at the time, and, and I mentioned, hey, you know, he's definitely in the top three or four, and now Steph's number one, and Damian Lillard, I would imagine, will continue to climb that list and, and probably still do it in Portland because he, he loves it there. And uh, obviously, he is going to be seen as an absolute legend, one of the all-time greats in Portland sports history, particularly if he uh, continues his entire career there. But the 71 points is just unbelievable considering the efficiency. I mean, shooting over 50% from three-point range, just absolutely unbelievable. Just with that, Dick, why would he just stay there at Portland and not chase the rings? Well, I mean, first of all, there has to be a a good fit. And and this isn't to say that he's not going to do it later on in his career, but I just think some people have different values. And and he obviously values the city that he lives in, and uh, he he loves it there. He loves his team. And And people would love the loyalty, too, that that he's showing to that team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, 
you know, this is a team that's it's interesting. It's, you know, it, it's a dangerous team. I mean, they're right there in the playoff mix. They'll probably be one of those play-in teams. They're one of those teams that the Lakers are, are fighting against to, to get a spot. But, you know, I don't want to play Portland in the first round in a, in a play-in game because, uh, you know, that is a, that's a dangerous basketball team. Not a team that can make it all the way to the conference finals or anything like that, but they could certainly win a, a legitimate, you know, they could win a play-in round. They may even be able to win a one round in the NCAA tournament or in the NBA tournament if, if Damian Lillard, you know, catches fire, which we know he does every two or three games. Over in the East, and Boston's still the well, the championship favourites, uh, four dollars with tab. But Milwaukee have won fourteen in a row. Wow! Uh, if you're having a bet today, well, let's start in the East. Are you backing the Celtics or the Bucks, Dick? I'm backing the Celtics. Um, I think there's a little more. I think there's a little more depth there. I think there's a, a, a little more defense there. It's very close, however. I mean, statistically, they're almost exactly the same in, in defense. I think there might be a, a little more. Um, the, the Celtics, to me, just seem to have what it takes to be an NBA champion. I think the Milwaukee does as well. But you know that game between the Celtics and the Sixers this weekend was one of those that you had to watch. You know, the NBA is so long, and there's not a lot of games that you have to sit down and say, I have got to watch this basketball game. But that was one of them. I mean, I went to a, I went, took my kids to a restaurant. I was like, you know, I told the, told the, uh, the wait staff, please turn on uh, ABC. I want to see the Celtics and the, and the Sixers. I watched the, I watched the entire first half on TV, got home, saw the second half, saw that, uh, you know, the buzzer beating shot, and then Joel Embiid, you know, throwing it in from 70 feet. I thought the game was over and the Sixers had won and then they waved it off. It was just incredible theater. But I, I would say Boston, then a very thin line, then Milwaukee, and then a fairly bold line, and then the rest of the Eastern Conference and really probably the rest of the NBA as well. As I, I wish Boston and Milwaukee could play for the NBA championship. Although, Ratings-wise, I'm sure that the uh, that the networks would love to see like a Kevin Durant against <laughs> Milwaukee or a Kevin Durant against Boston in the NBA Finals. That would uh, that would certainly drive the numbers. Uh, talking of Kevin Durant, then when does he play his first game for the Suns? Looks like this week. Could be as soon as tomorrow. I think I, I think I read a report uh, that said potentially tomorrow. So Phoenix. Uh, let's see. Take a look at their schedule here. Phoenix tomorrow has Charlotte, and I believe that's when we're going to see KD for the first time. Uh, they've got a – they're on a road trip right now. They just had a close loss to Milwaukee. I mean, that's – you talk about an impressive loss. I mean, Phoenix only loses by three at Milwaukee on Sunday without Kevin Durant. So that kind of shows you uh, what type of team they are. And, you know, the NBA's Western Conference, even though I don't think there's a team that's as good as Boston in the Western Conference – there are three or four teams that I'm really interested to see after these moves they've made what the rest of the season is going to look like. What is the rest of Phoenix's season? What is the rest of the Clippers' season going to look like? You mentioned uh, Los Angeles. What's the rest of the Lakers' season going to look like after their moves? So uh, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. While I think Boston and Milwaukee are the two best teams, the Western Conference playoffs probably will be even more entertaining than the Eastern Conference playoffs because I think there's a much bigger gap between the top two teams in the East and the rest of the field than there is in the Western Conference. Even Denver, who's five and a half games clear in the Western Conference, there's a lot of people that just don't, including myself, that just don't believe that Denver's a dominant basketball team. I mean, their point differential is only four points per game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do in, uh, in, in the rest of the season on the, in the Western side. 
Dick, the NFL offseason and the drums are beating louder that the Chicago Bears should trade their number one pick in the draft. Can you see it happening? I could see it happening. Uh, this is a unique year for quarterbacks. There are, there are quite a few that should be first-round draft picks. You're talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I mean, I've seen all of them in mock drafts going in the top 10. And sometimes quarterbacks, well, all the time, quarterbacks get pushed up uh, due to the importance of the position. But I do think this year the quarterbacks are much more legitimate than they've been in the past few years. I've kind of poo-pooed the quarterbacks that have gone in the first round the past few years other than Trevor Lawrence. He was really the only guy that I, that I liked, and most of them have not been very good. I at least think that, that C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young um, will have good careers. Anthony Richardson is a guy that I think you just have to sit on the bench teach him how to throw the football because he is an, as electric an athlete as I've seen at the quarterback position. I mean, he's basically Lamar Jackson, except he's like 25 pounds heavier and potentially even faster. So, I mean, that's a, he's a guy that's ripped off two 70-yard touchdown runs at the quarterback position. He just doesn't know how to throw a football very well right now. So he would be perfect. Honestly, I think Anthony Richardson would be perfect for a team like the Seahawks. Because they have a quarterback right now for the short term in Geno Smith, who I think could be a really good mentor for a guy like Anthony Richardson. So you sign Geno to a couple of year contract, and then after that contract is over, you've got Anthony Richardson, just a freak athlete waiting in the wings with about two years of seasoning in your system. I think that could be a, a really nice setup for a team like Seattle. And Seattle's not the only team that's like that. There's other teams out there that have quarterbacks in their low to uh, mid-30s that uh, will probably be ready for a rookie in a couple of years. What is happening with Lamar Jackson, Dick? Boy, that's a great that's – the, that's the $32 million question. I mean, that's the franchise tag is $32 million, and uh, they have to decide, do they want to put the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson? If they do, other teams can negotiate with Lamar Jackson on a long-term deal – but if they were to sign Lamar Jackson, they would have to give the Ravens two first-round draft picks, their next two first-round draft picks. I think that's a pretty good deal for Baltimore, honestly, because I really think you've gotten the best years out of Lamar Jackson. His best years are behind him because he is such a great athlete, because he is not an elite passing quarterback. It's the passing quarterbacks that get you into you know, playing into their 30s and close to 40. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady never did anything athletically. <laughs> But he could throw a football. Drew, Drew Brees, incredibly accurate, could play till he was 40 because he had the knowledge of the game and he was incredibly accurate. That's not Lamar Jackson's game. And if you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers and his, particularly his rushing numbers, they have gone down. Even his passing numbers have gone down the last couple of years. He's starting to get more banged up. I just don't think I'd give Lamar Jackson a long-term contract. And I think the Ravens are really weighing that decision right now. Uh, it's time for the weekly Aaron Rodgers question. <laughs> I see uh, the Green Bay, uh, the administration there, might have put a deadline on him. Yeah, it seems – I mean, I don't think there's any question that Green Bay is irritated with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I think all of this, these shenanigans uh, Green Bay can just, can just do without. I think they'd love to have Aaron Rodgers back. I think they feel like – even though they had a down year last year and didn't make the playoffs, I still think they feel, they believe that they can be a Super Bowl contending team with Aaron Rodgers. I think maybe those days are behind them, honestly, but they feel like that. Um, but also, I think they are very, very open to a team 
that gives them the right price for Aaron Rodgers. And right now, we really just don't have that good an indication on what the right price is. I mean, the right price on a you know, Aaron Rodgers in his prime would be multiple first and second round draft picks. Remember, the Seahawks got two firsts, two seconds, and three players for Russell Wilson. You're not going to get that for Aaron Rodgers because he's so much older than Russell Wilson. But I still think you could get a first round draft pick maybe a couple of players and, and a lower round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not so sure I wouldn't pull that trigger if I'm not Green Bay because I don't think they're a team that can win 12 games anymore with Aaron Rodgers. And if that's the case, you might as well load up on picks, save the $45-plus million that Aaron Rodgers is making, and uh, you know, kind of do a quick rebuild, kind of what Seattle did. I mean, Seattle did a quick rebuild last year, right? They got rid of Russell Wilson. They got those picks. They did incredibly well with those picks, and all of a sudden the Seahawks were in the playoffs the very next year, so they didn't go through that huge dip where they only win four or five games. I see in the baseball, Dick, they've made a few rule changes, and it's causing confusion, in particular with the fans. Yes, but I think in the end it's going to be very, very positive. Um, Baseball has not made a lot of great decisions over the last few years, but I do think that these decisions are good, and what they're doing is they're putting a clock on the pitcher, and they are putting a clock on the hitter. So the pitcher has to uh, get rid of the pitch in 15 seconds. The batter has to be in the box with eight seconds left on that, uh, on that pitch clock. And we've actually already seen in spring training games end because of a rules violation. We had a situation with Boston and Atlanta the other day where there were bases loaded, three balls, two strikes. So you've gone as far as you can go. A, a strike ends the game. A ball ends the game. And if the batter does not get into the box in time, he gets an automatic strike on him. And if the pitcher does not release the pitch in time, it's an automatic ball. And so you got to the point of no return. The, the umpire called time. The batter actually walked to first base. He thought the violation was on the pitcher, and he thought he'd won the game. And instead, the umpire pointed at him and said, nope, you're out, game over. And so I hope there will be a little, a little leniency um, we had a, a former Major League Baseball player on our show yesterday who, who brought up a great idea. He said, we can't have this in the ninth inning. You can have pitch clocks from inning one through eight, mm. but if it's a close game in the ninth inning, you got to turn the pitch clock off because nobody wants to see a game that is a, a spectacular game. It's going along quick. They've lowered the time of games by 23 minutes due to these new rules. It's an incredible difference. But nobody wants to see a game end like that. So maybe be a little lenient in the ninth inning. Yeah, good call. Uh, what was the reaction to the fight between Tommy Fury and Jake Paul in Saudi Arabia where Jake Paul suffered his first loss? What's sort of been the reaction and fallout from that? You know, it's a, it's a niche audience, but I did see all of the uh, – I didn't watch the fight live, but I did see, you know, all of the interviews and everything on, on, on Twitter afterwards. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, Fury – or uh, Paul, rather, was uh, – it looked like he was going to be pretty gracious in defeat, and then yet he talked – and then he started <laughs> talking about how great his life is and everything, and people were kind of – you know, wasn't a, there wasn't a great reception, I didn't think, from the fans to, to, to Jake Paul. But what I do think is that we're going to get another fight yeah. um, because there were the eyeballs, there was some attention, and it was such a close fight and a controversial fight. People had uh, issues with the, uh, with the referee as well that I think uh, we'll, we'll definitely get a rematch. Uh, we just got a question from a listener. Can you ask, Dick, what is the purpose of the XFL 
<laughs> which is uh, it's privately owned, isn't it? The XFL. Yeah, the Rock's one of the owners. That's right. Um, of the of the XFL. Um, I think the purpose is to try to establish a place where players that are out of college can go to play because there's really no minor league football. Um, the minor leagues for football are our universities and our universities are big, big money. I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen the stadiums before, 90,000, 100,000 fans. College football is huge and college football is a, is a free minor leagues for the NFL. So the NFL really doesn't need to pay for a minor leagues situation. So the XFL has come in and we've had other minor leagues before that have tried to start up. None of them last very long. So the XFL is coming in with some new technology and they're, they're being very forthcoming in, in replays and everything. So there is some cool things that they're doing and it's great for players that can't quite make the NFL. They have an opportunity to still play, make a little bit of money, be on national TV and maybe get seen by one of the NFL teams. So I don't really have any problem with it although I haven't watched any of the games yet, and we have a team here in Seattle, so I'm not really uh, all that into it. Thank you so much, mate. Have a good week. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week.